And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. Wise, wise words, my friend. How are you, Justin? I'm good. No complaints. Oh, you sound good. You sound sexy. You sound like you just did your hair. But I just got a, I just got a haircut, as you can see. It's a lot shorter now. The issue is I still get like acne every once in a while. So I got a big old zit on my head the day I was getting a haircut. And it was very annoying. <laughs> so, That's too bad. I know. <laughs> so I'm walking around trying to cover it with my with my part. And then I got it all cut off. And so people are looking at me. People ran to the other side of the street when they saw me. <laughs> Look at that thing. <laughs> got a metal plate in your head. And if this thing gets dented. Yeah, my hair just ain't um, gonna look right. <laughs> yeah. Hell of a good cook, though. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I know. Yeah, I'm due right? for a haircut. In fact, I told Alex today, "Don't let me go to bed before I cut my hair tonight." How often today. do you cut your hair? Every two weeks. Jeez, but you like it? You like it really short, though, right? You you get out of you don't like it when it gets out of control. Yeah, my hair can no cannot be longer than two inches. Wow. And how fast? So it grows every two weeks that fast. Oh, yeah. It's just lightning. (laughs) Yeah, I need the Edward Scissorhand. You're like an Armenian Chia pet. (laughs) Yeah. Only on the top of my head, though. I know. I got the Kardashian all over the rest of my body, but (laughs) top of my head grows really fast. You have a, your facial hair grows fast, though, too, right? And not exactly. It goes to a certain point really fast, and then it just stops. Well, I I'm, can't grow any facial I'm hair. Sorry. My facial hair sucks. You're like, you're like uh, Andre. You have clear hair. Yeah, exactly. Depeche mode. <laughs> so what have you been? Yeah, <laughs> people are people. Depeche mode. Oh, my goodness. I actually just plowed through the league. Watch like, I mean, I've seen it a hundred times, but it doesn't take long to get through all like seven seasons or whatever it is. Yeah, it's an easy uh, watch. It is. It really is. Uh, so what have you been watching? So I continued with Peacemaker, uh, left off at the fifth episode, and I like it more now, uh, now that they've kind of settled in a bit. I still don't think it's that funny, and I don't know what it is. I just, I, I haven't laughed as much, but um, I'm I'm invested in it. I, I like where they're going with it, and I'm uh, intrigued to see what uh, happens next. And then I watch Road Trip, and that movie is very old, and it it's just, you can tell, there's like an N64 and VHS tapes and stuff, and I think you watched that recently, but yeah, like three weeks ago. It's pretty, pretty funny. Unleash the fury. Yeah, it's I, there's a lot of lines and moments I remember from that movie just because I've seen it so many times. So um, I you know at the end when he's when they're trying to get the mail from the one guy and he's just kind of a jerk. Yeah. And uh, he's like, uh, he's like a wrestler. He's like, holy smokes, you're a wrestler. And he's yeah. like, yeah. Wanna go? <laughs> I, I say that to I say that to Rizzo when we're wrestling. I'll, I'll do like his little pose, and I'll be like, "You wanna go?" It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so then, 
I watched Nobody, that new Bob Odenkirk film sure. that is on HBO Max. Um, it, it's okay. It's very much a like a carbon copy of John Wick. So, you know, I was already kind of like Simpsons did it when I when I watched it, but I still enjoyed it and it was funny. Uh, and then I watched Transformers Dark Side of the Moon for some reason. It is on Netflix because uh, everyone knows at the start Dark of the of month. The moon? Yeah, it's the third one. Um so at the start of each month, most of the streaming services recycle, recycle things and then they have new content in there. So uh, there's like three Transformers movies on Netflix and I watched Dark Dark Side of the Dark of the Moon. There you go. Sorry, not Dark Side of the Moon. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 not very good, but <laughs> and neither are the other ones except for the first. But um, I'm still going to continue watching like I'll watch uh, the whatever the next one is. And then the last night after that. So I really, so I really like the first two a lot. I like the first one a lot. The second one, like Felix and I quote all the time was like kitten counter, kitten counter, kitten yeah. counter, kitten counter. One and man. Then, yeah. One man. <laughs> yeah. Turned away by betrayed his, betrayed by, by his country. country. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, don't talk to me about classifying. <laughs> I always say, don't talk to me criminal. I, I used to say <laughs> yeah. that to, uh, to shoplifters. I'd go, don't talk to me criminal. <laughs> no yeah, one got it. <laughs> so, I like uh, that. that and criminals are hot. Yeah. Like too. <laughs> um, and then I watched Blazing Saddles and I forgot how freaking hilarious that movie is. Holy crap. I mean, definitely not PC, but I mean, that's the whole point of it. And Jesus, it's funny, though. I, I was laughing my ass off last night just by myself. So forgot forgot about how good that one was. But yeah, um, yeah what did you watch? Uh, let's see. I watched a lot of 30 for 30 episodes. The, uh, the documentaries on the ESPN there, and uh, they're really incredible. That's some some high production value and some really good interviews and some very interesting stories, uh, one of which was uh, You Don't Know Bo, all about Bo Jackson. And the man is just incredible, you know, mm-hmm. and like he is a, like an honest to goodness superhero. <laughs> like he was able to do things that no other human could ever dream of doing. And uh, I really, really liked the documentary until the very end when it shows that he's like a hunter and he like sits in his basement and like makes arrows and and then kills things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> kind of lost me at the end there, but <laughs> the the early part of it was really, really good. And then I watched uh, Chasing Tyson, which I've seen before. That's where it's all about Evander Holyfield. Uh, can't get the respect that he deserves, even though he's heavyweight champion, because he never fought Tyson. And so it's always just this whole thing where, yeah, well, you know, you didn't beat Mike Tyson. Even when he beat um, uh, Buster Douglas, Yeah, they're like, well, big deal. He's like, what do you mean big deal? I beat the guy that beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's still not good <laughs> enough. And then when he goes to fight Tyson, then Tyson goes off to, oh, he gets like a broken rib and in a training exercise kind of thing. And then uh, the fight gets postponed, and then of course he goes to jail, and so it's just one thing after another. Poor guy. Of course they do fight, and it's an incredible fight. But um, you know the whole chasing Tyson thing was a really good documentary. And then when he finally fought him and beat him, then he gets his redemption—an unnecessary redemption, if you ask me. But whatever. And then I watched one on. I had kind of a HIV Sunday. I watched. A 30 for 30 on Tommy <laughs> Morrison, who passed away from HIV. And then I watched, uh, right after that, I watched um, one on Tim Richmond, who was a uh, stock car driver for NASCAR. And um, he passed away due to uh, AIDS as well. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Those are sad ones, man. I know. And they're back to back with the HIV. It was a bit much. How many boxes of Kleenex did you have? Jesus. Uh, Not too much. And then I, (laughs) then of course I watched football um, all day Sunday. uh, And I was pleased with the results. Yeah. (laughs) I got got everything I wanted from Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Those are good games. Those are really good games. They really were. I was, I was screaming bloody murder uh, with the, with a couple of moments. And I was like, (laughs) Ah, you guys suck. And I'm just like, ah, don't do this to me. But um, once once Kansas City was out, then I didn't care for the the results. I want I I don't really care for San Francisco, so I was rooting for the Rams. But if the Rams lost, I was going to be okay with it because I really really wanted Cincinnati to beat uh, Kansas City. So hey, Kansas City's exactly. Oh man, <laughs> I know. Did I tell you I tried to meet him the other day? Uh, er- Ernie Reyes Jr.? Yeah, he was going to be at Pasadena Comic Con. No. I, I was there to just kind of support one of the one of the artists that I know. And he was supposed to have a table. And he did. He just wasn't there in the morning yet. And I was going to have him, um, you know, I was going to buy whatever headshot he had and have him write, hey, Kansas City's on it. But That'd be so awesome. He was, he was gone. He wasn't there yet. Oh, I was man. like, no, damn it. I've seen all your stuff. But oh, well. That's neither here nor there. So that's it for me. A uh, bit of an interesting weekend, to say the least. Cool. I love those 30 for 30s. They are very, very good. I was telling you before this, the without bias, the story of Len Bias is really good. Mm-hmm. And it is so goddamn sad. So, yeah, it's it's a tearjerker. But I love those 30 for 30s. Yeah, they're really good. They really are. Yeah. All right. So moving on this week, we're going to be doing Sing Street as from 2016. It is streaming on IMDb TV. So if you have Prime, you can watch it with commercials. Sorry about that. But technically, it does fall under the streaming umbrella. So well, it's also available on Canopy, which is a streaming service that you can use for free without commercials. But you just need a library card. So it's oh, it's no also available on the. <laughs> no one what, has like two televisions. <laughs> you want people to read books? Are you insane? <laughs> you have to read along when you watch it. See. <laughs> so. Oh my god! I'd, I'd be curious if they had cell phones at libraries, but they're attached to those little wooden sticks, so you can't take them out of them. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> like the newspapers, <laughs> and they're all they're all Nokia's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, the library! My goodness, that's cute. oh jeez last book i read i don't couldn't even tell you hop on no it was a bad one i well it wasn't bad i don't remember i want to say it was abraham lincoln vampire but i could be mistaken i might have read something else after that but it's embarrassing so There you have it. Anyway, we are going to be doing Sing Street from 2016, as I said, directed by John Carney, who you might know from once. Begin again on the edge. I don't know any of those. (laughs) They're mostly music related. He's very big into music. Yeah, I know. So it's your favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Also written by Simon Carmody. Like comedy, but Carmody. Comodus. (laughs) <laughs> and John Carney, our buddy, who did once begin again and on the edge. <laughs> you know, those old favorites. <laughs> that old chestnut. Uh, the cast includes, this is a bit of a who's who. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, Aiden Gillen, a.k.a. Littlefinger, Lucy Boynton, 
Maria Doyle Kennedy, Jack Raynor, Kelly Thornton, Ian Kenny, Ben Carolan, Percy Chambaruka, Mark McKenna, and Don Witcherly. Critical reception uh, was pretty kind. This movie is a whopping 95% on the old tomato meter there, and it is a 92 with the audience score. So not too shabby. Uh, critics, let's see, are mostly kind. This Joanne Laurier from World Scientist website. This one's, I can't make that up. Sing Street is a self-consciously cute, in quotes, film about a sweet Irish cocoon in other words, a fairy tale. Ooh. So there you have that. It is a bit of a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, yeah. What is this one? Oh, here we go. This is a word that I never get to say, and I like it. So... Nell Minow from AWFJ Women on Film says, filled with the liberating jubilation of making music. I love the word jubilation. Jubilation Lee. You get to shoot yeah. fireworks out of your hands. There you go. And then Mike Massey from Gone with the Twins says, much more intelligent and mature than its youthful cast would suggest. Which I'm sure you agree with. Yeah, totally. Let's see. It grossed a whopping 3.2 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it did $63,000. That was on April 17th, 2016. And worldwide, you were looking at a $13.6 million success story. So here are some trivia facts about the film. Connor's father says that he will get a legal separation but cannot divorce his wife. This is true for the time the film is set in 1985. Divorce only became possible in Ireland in 1997. Fascinating. I wonder what actually made the difference. I wonder if it was just the same thing except it's all just, um, you know, semantics. I so. think they take their religion pretty seriously over there. Yeah, they, the definitely <laughs> so. they definitely do. They definitely do. So you got to have black shoes. See, no brown shoes uh, in the scene where Connor. Oh, yeah, I can tell you right now, I would have beat the shit out of that principal that did that to me. Oh, I know. I was I, very, I, I would have gone. Mad. I would yeah. have gone to jail for fucking murders if that happened. To me. <laughs> and then you would have uh, sang a song like Jailhouse Rock or something. <laughs> Possibly. I, I, I agree. That was when he did that. I was like, oh, my God, I would not allow it. No one's like drowning to him, too. I know crazy shit so not in a million years <laughs> in the scene where connor and rafina have a conversation in the orphanage for the first time heard in the background is a slow piano version of aha's take on me the first song connor sings to her that's cute super cute uh the end dedication for brothers everywhere is presumably intended to reference the brother siblings and or brotherly love but the brothers could also refer to capital brothers as in the name prefix for christian brothers religious order members this alternate now gives a different meaning in light of the action of a certain Christian brother, brother, and they're talking about that father. So this also could be like a fuck you to the father sort of thing. Hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just one way to interpret it. There weren't many trivia facts about this just because there weren't many. So that's all I got. But I will give a synopsis for anyone who has not seen it. So in inner city South Dublin in 1985, Robert Lawler is struggling with his architecture practice and his marriage and drinks and smokes to excess. At a family meeting, he announces that in order to save money, he is taking his youngest son, Connor, out of his expensive fee paying school and moving to a Christian Brothers school, Sing Street CBS, which Robert asserts is of equally high repute. Connor's older brother, Brendan, ribs him about the change as well as about the state of the family unit. 
Connor appears in school on the first day in his new uniform, but without the regulation black shoes. The school principal, uh, brother Baxter, takes to him takes him to ask for this, despite Connor's pleas of being unable to afford new black shoes, eventually forcing him to complete the day shoeless. The shoe problem is resolved by painting the shoes black using paint from the art room. An encounter with the school bully, Barry, introduces Connor to Darren, an ally and budding entrepreneur. When Connor tells the beautiful aspiring model Rafina in order to impress her that he needs a model for a music video his band is making, Darren agrees to manage the band and introduces him to multi-instrumentalist Iman. Eamon, I think that's how you say it. Uh, the band practices in Eamon's living room, uh, playing a bunch of 1980s covers. Connor, however, has sibling-induced epiphany when Brendan encourages him to drop the covers and develop the band's own style. He begins writing original songs with Iman, uh, describing themselves as futurists. The band filmed their first music video from their... I think it's Eamon. That's what it is, Eamon. The band filmed their first music video for their song, The Riddle of the Model, wearing a motley assortment of comical costumes with Rafina acting as ingenue and makeup artist. Connor goes into school the next day wearing makeup. He gets called into Baxter's office and told to remove the makeup. Connor refuses as he walks away. Baxter grabs him, forcing him into the bathroom and forcibly removing the makeup by pushing his face into a sink. Rafina gives Connor his nickname Cosmo, which she says is more in keeping with the new band's image, and the band continues to write and record new songs. After spending the day filming a music video for a new song, Connor and Rafina kiss and exchange confidences. Connor also manages to stand up to Barry by pointing out the insignificance of his life as well as his own, which greatly upsets Barry. At home, Robert and Penny's marriage is falling apart, while Rafina and Connor's relationship blossoms. Connor takes Rafina out to Dalkey Island in his granddad's motor cruiser. Here, they view the car ferry leaving Dune uh, Lagaher for Britain and discuss Rafina's dream of leaving Ireland for London. Connor, Rafina, and the band pre prepare to film a Back to the Future-inspired music video for their new song, Drive It Like You Stole It, but Connor is disheartened when Rafina fails to show up. Later, she reveals that she was set to leave for London with her boyfriend that day, but he abandoned her. Deeply hurt by her lack of disclosure and becoming even more offended by her... Uh, by her nonchalance, Connor breaks up with Rafina. Because of the breakup, along with fam the, his family's problems, Connor finds difficulty in writing or playing music. But Brendan urges Connor to carry on so that at least he can escape his small town doldrums and make a better future for himself. Penny and Robert announce to the family that they are getting legally separated and selling the house. Um, Penny is planning on moving with in with her affair and boss, Tommy, whilst Robert is planning on getting a small apartment and the kids will be staying at each parent's house from time to time. An opportunity arises for the band to play live at the end of the year party at school. And Connor manages to strike up a friendship with Barry, offering him a chance to be the band's roadie and escape the physically and emotionally abusive relationship he has with his alcoholic father, an offer which he accepts. Connor prepares a new song, Brown Shoes, Mocking Baxter, which the band perform as an encore while distributing homemade masks of Baxter's face. Rafina arrives before the band finishes their song and reconciles with Connor, and the both of them leave the party and the school in uproar. After secretly saying his goodbyes to his family later that night, Connor and Rafina persuade Brendan to drive them to Dalkey so they can escape in the motor cruiser and head to London. Brendan agrees and drives them to the harbor, where Brendan and Connor exchange an emotional embrace. Connor and Rafina sail out to sea, following the ferry across the rough Irish Sea to a new life in London. Brendan watches them disappear into the distance and cheers, overjoyed that his younger brother has left to go on to greater things. That is Sing Street, and it is a it's a doozy. I tell you what. Um, so, Justin, when did you first see Sing Street, and what did you think? 
I uh, saw it for the first time today, which is February 1st, 2022. I thought it was cute. <laughs> Just like the review. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, abs- I absolutely love this movie. And um, I wanted you to watch it for a while. I wasn't sure how you'd feel. I know you don't like... Um, singing sing songy movies and all that kind of stuff uh, but i was just really hoping that it might strike a chord with you it is okay if not but i felt like i would probably just have to talk about why i like this so much but i do have a question why don't you really like musicals um are there specific reasons at all yeah uh, well so that's not entirely accurate i like musicals i like going to a theater and watching a live performance of a musical what i don't like are movies based on musicals or movies where people are just walking down the street and then burst into sing song when they could be having a conversation. This movie <laughs> doesn't qualify as one of those because they're in a band and they're performing. It's different. Like that thing you do, same thing, you know, where there's music in the movie and they're singing, but it's appropriate because guess what? They're in a fucking band. They're not just walking <laughs> down the street, like singing a song, like in West side story kind of thing. So I can watch West Side Story in a theater house as a live performance and it'd be a play and a production and this big to do, but I cannot watch a movie version of it. I just not in the cards. Like I will never watch Hamilton ever in a billion trillion years. I don't care if someone tells me it's the most amazing thing and it'll change the world the way Bill and Ted's (laughs) supposed to. It's just, it's not in the cards. I won't do it. Oh yeah, fair enough. That is what I mean by... Uh, I don't like singing in movies. Like if it's a Disney cartoon, sure. All Disney cartoons are going to have singing and, and they're fun and dandy and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I do not like films that are sing along like across the universe. Forget about it. Not a billion trillion fucking years. But I like that movie. What about Rocky Horror Picture Show? That one is that falls under the umbrella of sort of the 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 musical. Um, but uh, I can listen to the music, but I don't really care for the, the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, the movie's just kind of off the wall, and but it's it's just such a cult it's, classic. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I watched it when I was a kid. I've seen it like three times, but it's not one that I would ever jump to. Like, oh, hey, let's watch fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, I have the album on my wall behind me, um, but <laughs> I, I don't really care for the movie when it's all said and done. Right. Yeah. So and I, I think that's important to note, too, that this movie isn't like a musical because one of the reviews I was reading uh, listed it as that. And I was like, I don't know if that's accurate, because when I think of musicals, yeah, like you're saying the West Side Stories or the La La Lands or anything like that. This is this is definitely more. It's about a band. They play music in it. Uh, it's not the entire film. And they can have conversations without the music. Um, it just kind of enhances what they're doing. And the coolest thing about this film for me, one of the coolest things about this film is how it shifts in the style from what he likes and and where he's at to to uh, kind of exemplify the progression of the of the story. And so I think those are really really neat. But I I also think the songs are really catchy in this film. I was singing them a ton when I was done and just foot tapping. And I like that for a lot of different musicals. If it's I'm like very envious of people who are are super talented musicians, because it's just it almost like brings a tear to my eye because when people have such a beautiful voice or they're so good at like guitar or drums, it's it's just awe inspiring, right? It inspires awe. So 
I think that's why I kind of I, I like those types of films, but I totally get it for sure. So. But you do like music, though. I know you do because you sing a lot. You know everything. You know all the all the Peter Gabriel songs. Yeah, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just I yeah. like I said, like, if it's like Les Miserables and I'm and and someone's just singing in prison or something like that. No, <laughs> Jean Valjean. Yeah. I'm like, why can't you just tell me like a normal person? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by yes. not liking musical movies. Got you. Got you. So, have you ever used music as an escape when you're feeling down? What about other mediums of art? And like what I mean is, do you ever if you're ever feeling sad, do you listen to music? If you ever feeling hyped up, do you listen to music? If you ever feel in love, do you watch a movie or do you read a book or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I usually don't listen to music when like I have music playing all the time, like always, uh, whether I'm just working at my desk or in the shower or whatever the case may be. My phone is just always playing a playlist. Uh, so I listen to music all the time, but a lot of times it's more music that serves as a cue to trigger some memory that might make me sad. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> how many songs are about you when you go through a breakup. You're just like, holy shit. Um, so there might be like a couple of songs that come on and I'll remember, oh man, I remember dancing this at like eighth grade dance or... You know, I remember I was on my way to, to on a date and then the girl broke up with me and this song was playing or whatever the case. May be. <laughs> uh, I have those. And so when they come on, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> uh, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's a pretty powerful thing. I also remember happy stuff, too, you know, so uh, I'm all for it. Um, but then when I'm sad, sometimes I'll watch movies, but a lot of times I it's it depends on why I'm sad, because I don't want to always remember. Uh, that sad thing and associate it with like a movie. Uh, for example, when I had to put my my very first kitty down, uh, I watched Goodfellas. And now every time when I when I watch Goodfellas, I just think of my cat and that horrible day that he was no longer with us. Aww. So it kind of triggers a really sad memory. It's <laughs> such know. a good movie, too. <laughs> same with Happy Gilmore. I watched them both the same day. Oh, my gosh. I uh, know because I was like, well, this is depressing. I need to laugh. And then I watched <laughs> fucking Happy Gilmore. And I still only think about my cat. So I try not to watch movies, uh, but maybe I'll do things like, um, you know, go for walks or go to the park you know, play like in this case, play with Rizzo. Uh, so I do do things when I'm sad, but uh, it just kind of all depends. Sometimes I'll clean like I clean a lot. Uh, I love cleaning. I love like like deep cleans, like with the sink or the bathtub and things like that. Uh, and that's usually when I'm sad is when I do like my best cleaning jobs just to kind of keep me distracted. But I'm not that sad that often. I mean, I have my own problems just like everybody else does, but um, I don't, I don't pawn them off on anybody or or worry about it too much. I clean and I, and it relieves the stress and then I'm fine. There you go. I like it. And I think a really awesome scene in this film, I mean, it's, it was sad, but you know, when the parents are fighting, and all the siblings kind of come out of the rooms and then they all just go to Brendan's room to listen to music and dance. And you can hear in the background, the parents are still fighting, but this is their escape. This is their, we, we want to drown that out because our life kind of sucks right now. So we're just going to still celebrate being a family. And I thought that was really sweet. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, I know that I have so many songs that I'll just put on. I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. And I'll just like start dancing in my house. And you just kind of forget about things for a while. Um, so I, I definitely think it's an escape. And, and this movie shows that it, it gives you the it gives Connor the confidence, you know, the the confidence to to do the things that maybe he wouldn't normally do or 
being that new kid at school and it influences through optimism, I, I, I think. And I think that's so incredible. And as an artist, so anybody who's an artist to inspire someone uh, to make them feel better. I mean, you, we hear about these stories all the time about how, you know, a certain artist or a certain director or actor really affected their lives and changed their lives. And, and those are the stories that you love to hear because it's like, Jesus, I didn't know that the show Friends had this impact on you, you know? So <clears throat> I think that's that's really, really important. And and I find myself um, escaping quite a bit with with these these modes of art. Yeah, I think I play a lot of video games, too. Video um, games are a good one. Yeah. yeah, but it'll be something that I'm very familiar with so I can Dark just kind of plow through it. Yeah, like I'll do Dark Souls <laughs> um, or like Skyrim, something where there's no real like I can just wander around and, and mess around instead of like a Mario level, like a platformer where I got to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a timer, you know, something like that might stress me out. But if it's like an open world game where I can just go and do my own thing and and maybe find something new that I haven't noticed before, that's always fun to do when I'm feeling down. But honestly, I haven't felt down in a really long time. Mm. I'm always I down. Can, I can't even <laughs> tell. I mean, honestly, the last time I really, really honest to goodness felt just like out of place and and lonely and sad was was 2016 so i mean wow. it's, been a, it's been a really long time since i've ever felt that way damn it well, might maybe even be I, 2015 maybe i should start drinking some dr pepper maybe that'll change yeah. a little bit yeah <laughs> i mean i might have a bad day every once in a while but i've never felt like i did you know when i was going through like my divorce and stuff like that totally so um one of the things or no i'm sorry uh so I wanted to talk about this, too, because, I mean, this is something that happens in, in the movie. And how do you handle being a quote unquote new kid at a job or a school type setting? Sure. Uh, I usually do pretty good. I'm just kind of myself. I I have a, a quick wit and fun sense of humor to where it usually works pretty well for me. <laughs> so uh, I'm not the new guy for very long. You know, I, I'm, I'm not shy. I'll introduce myself to people. Uh, I ask questions and uh, it, it usually works, you know, uh, when I was in, gosh, when I was in college, I remember thinking, wow, I'm at this big ass university. There's like 35,000 students. And I remember being a bit overwhelmed, but I literally just always had like a Pez dispenser in my pocket or a box of animal crackers. And it was just kind of like an icebreaker. <laughs> like, hey, you want some Pez? Or hey, <laughs> check out this sweet animal cracker and hold it by a little string. So I'm be like, oh, I'll take an animal cracker. I'm like, sweet, you got it. <laughs> and so it just kind of was a fun little icebreaker. But, uh, you know, I stand out. I, I look like a freaking cartoon character. I walk like an idiot. So people just, I, I come off as very uh, non-threatening. So I've never really had any kind of problems. Unless people are trying to rub the makeup off your face, then you're going to yeah. pounce them. <laughs> yeah. The only, I mean, remember the only person that ever thought I was like scary was that one kid at Target. Yeah, <laughs> he was like afraid of me. I'm like, what is your deal? I'm like not, the nicest guy ever. Not safe, man. Not yeah. safe. He must must have caught me on a really bad day. Yeah, because I don't get it. But yeah, I mean, I've never had any problems being the new kid, or um, you know, I've had a few. I in the last couple of years, I'd say in the last ten years, I probably had like three jobs, and each one was kind of scary on its first day, but I. I rock and roll pretty much right after that. So once I just kind of get my bearings and it's usually pretty cool. 
I used to be really shy and it was hard for me to be new in situations. I still kind of do that. However, it's more out of respect. Like if I'm with a group of friends that are people that I don't know, you know, I know maybe one person and then they're like, hey, this is my buddy, Zach. I don't say anything unless people speak to me because I I just don't want to speak out of turn or put, you know, step in on, in a situation where maybe I just shouldn't be talking. Right. And, and yeah, you don't want to overstep come off, my bounds. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. You don't want to come <laughs> off like all of a sudden you're one of the boys or something yeah, when you're like, yeah. you just met these people. Yeah, I totally you give get them all that. nicknames at the start. <laughs> yeah. Sugar boobs, <laughs> moly, <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. That, that, that's probably something that I do. Um, but I don't think, I was trying to remember if there was ever a time where I kind of felt like I, maybe I did that, but I can't think of one. Um, usually I'm kind of a one-on-one kind of person. Uh, if I am introduced to a group, then yeah, I'll play it pretty cool, but usually I'll, I'll say I'll have a zinger and then it kind of opens up the doors. You got the zingers there. Those mm-hmm. are, you got the Justinisms that we all love. Yeah. Like, Hey, have you seen that documentary where Tommy Morrison gets AIDS? <laughs> way to, way to open the, open the doors there. It's yeah. great. It's really sad. You should check Very it out. Sad. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for bringing the mood down. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's terrible. So one of the best things about this movie uh, to me is just how it encapsulated the various styles and the sounds of uh, 1980s music. You got new wave, electronic, uh, futuristic, and then they call it happy sad. Did you have any particular favorite styles? And um, how did this enhance the story for you? Yeah, I think um, I think the riddle of the model song kind of caught me off guard. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> who did that remind you of? Uh, that was kind of new wave. Yeah, totally. Uh, Riddle of the model. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah. And then when, so it, when it cut to the cowboy in the car, with I was the fangs, fucking dying. I was dying. Literally, my favorite part in the whole movie is is you can't see his face because there's a giant white light on him in the car, and then it zooms in a little bit closer, and he's got the fangs. Holy shit! I could not stop laughing. I the thought that was, was funny. My favorite part. Um, and then I would say up was another good one. Uh, and I really like how, when the mom comes into the room and she starts dancing and then she, she's so proud Aww. of her little baby bunny boy I and know, puts her hands on his sweet. face and he's like, no mom, I'm trying to rock and roll, man. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> Don't embarrass me in front of the boys. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then, um, even the drive it like you stole it kind of had a hollow notes vibe to it. Fuck yeah. Uh, which I, I enjoyed. And I liked, uh, the, I liked how it was. Have you ever seen Back to the Future? And it's kind of like the dance. <laughs> you uh, dance like the 50s and they're just like snapping their fingers. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. And none of them have seen the movie, which is even more <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah, so I think those three songs, uh, and I totally get the happy, sad, but, you know, The Cure was never a band that I was ever really into. Um, I know that I liked other artists like, you know, Depeche Mode and, and The Smiths and things like that, but for... <laughs> But the cure just I mean, I know their songs that any song that they ever had on the radio, I could probably sing for you right now, but I never bought a single one of their albums. They just weren't my jam. Yeah, totally. Um I so I agree. A beautiful sea was was very much like the cure. That was his cure phase. And mm-hmm. how I, I was talking about this earlier too is I think the coolest thing about the music in this film is we progress through the the genres of of music and the styles of music with Connor as he's learning about himself, becoming a better musician, learning about love and life. And I think that's so neat because it kind of just encapsulates everything. Um, you know, it starts with Duran Duran and it ends with basically, what would you say? Um, I don't know how the final one would be necessarily, but uh, you got Hall & Oates in there too, like you were saying. And then the cure, well, I said the cure, but um, 
<clears throat> I think it's it's really cool. And that's what made me so happy to listen to all these things. And especially with how they dressed, you know, his whole posse is wearing the same thing. And it was it was super fun. Uh, my favorite, though, is the drive it like you stole it, because it's such a beautiful scene because Connor, who at this point, his life isn't the greatest. Um, you know, he's it's, it's pretty shitty. But we, we get this this fantastic realism, basically, of this fantasy he's having where it's this awesome concert. It's exactly the way he thought the music video would be. Rafina's there. Uh, her boyfriend's dogging on her, but his brother comes in and saves the day in a weird knife fight. His parents are still together and they're dancing. And then Brother Baxter gives him a, a little cross thumbs up sort of thing. And I freaking loved it. I thought it was so good. It's such a catchy song. And it, it worked really, really well for me. I just, I, I, I had such a fun time watching that. And so I didn't listen to that much 80s music, like growing up, obviously I was born in 87, but I found myself remembering, like they had some Motorhead in the soundtrack and um, some other bands. And I just yeah, like- Yeah, Duran Duran. They had, they had Hall & Oates. Yeah, and I, I just yeah. put on, I put on The Cure and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot how many Cure songs I know, you know? So it's- Right. It was just, it was, it was so fascinating. But I, I thought of you about this too, because I was like, I feel like Justin knows a lot of these songs. Because I'm like, you know that one song that's like, do, 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 do. Oh, you're like, yeah. oh yeah, this, by this person and this person. And my favorite lyric is this line. And so I, uh, I can't do that like you can. But I thought that I was really name neat. that tune and three notes. I don't know about that. But as far as like, uh, how did it enhance the story for me? Um, I do like how, uh, for me, I think like being an artist is is showing your vulnerability and showing, you know, being able to share that vulnerability. And then that relates to other people. You know, everyone's going to be like, okay, yeah, this person gets me. I feel the same way as this, as this song. And this song spoke to me like how, uh, what's her name? Rafina. She cried when she heard the up song, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, because she was able to relate to it. And it's like, wow, this is about me. It's like literally about her, but she's like, wow, this is about me kind of thing. And that's, that's really cool when you can relate to music that way. And I do think that how he was trying to find his style, he's still very young. You know, he's a teenager for crying out loud. And we don't know who we are unless you're an old soul. You really don't know who you are until a much later age. And I thought it was fun for him to just experience things as an artist. And they were all like, I don't care what music we play. I just want to play music. And most yeah. of them were like, yeah, we're in a fucking band, man. This is cool. And so they didn't even really care. So it was all... They they were his band members were very supportive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they even talk about, yeah, go to London and get us a you know a record deal kind of thing. You know, like they're they're counting on him to drive this ship. And I thought that that was pretty special. I agree. It was I, I really like how he's like, we're going to play a slow song. And he asked the band, you know, the bassist is like, dude, we can't do that. It's going to kill the vibe and they're going to eat us alive. And he looks at Eamon and he's like. I think it's risky. Let's do it. And I, I love that because it's just believing in each other. And why the fuck not? Right. They know that this is going to probably be their last show, especially be right before they perform Brown Shoes. He's like, this is for our first and last show probably ever. So I thought that, that was so neat. But I really enjoyed the music a lot. I was tapping my feet. It just it it, it got to me. And, and yes, that band practice scene where mom's coming in and dancing. I mean, every parent wants to be supportive of their kids, especially if they are with their friends. And I thought that was so special. So, right. I mean, it's a big, I think the first scene she's like putting batteries in her vibrator. <laughs> vibrator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah. was fucking funny. I was laughing. I forgot about that part too. <laughs> so the awesome. music got better. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 
So uh, who are the artists and bands that define the 80s for you? And how has that shaped your tastes today? Oh, man, there's a lot, dude. So uh, Depeche Mode, Michael Jackson, Prince, the New Order, Madonna, The Smiths, Duran Duran, Beastie Boys, Cyndi Lauper. Um, those are probably some of the the main ones, I would say. Uh, Ongo Boingo, probably throw them in there. Uh, but then there's also like hair bands, dude. So like Van Halen, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Poison Rat, Twisted Sister, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Def Leppard. Uh, I like all their shit, too. But then I also like a lot of funk. So if it were just to be like, which was pretty big in like the 60s and 70s, but then there's some really good songs in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that they're big in the 70s, but I like the shit that came out in the 80s. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, your Depeche Modes, your Michael Jackson, fucking Madonna, stuff like that. That that really, beast, did I say Beastie Boys? Beastie yeah. Boys. Um you know, stuff like that is what I really rocked out to. But I am no stranger to new wave and uh, just sort of British rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. So. I I didn't. I mean, again, I only was alive in the '80s for three years, but I know I know of a lot of '80s songs, or I've heard of a lot of '80s songs. But I try to think of like the quintessential '80s song to me, and "Take on Me" by Aha is, is up there. But then yeah, there's like a one hit wonder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then also, um, oh shit, what's it called? Uh, Blue Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Blue Monday. So that's New Order. I, I listed yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall and Oates is one that I probably should have said too. I fucking love Hall and Oates. Yeah. I saw them at the Key Arena. Really? Were they good? Yeah. It was fucking awesome. They were old. So was your, was and... your kiss on their list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they opened a train open with them. And I, had, I was like, who the hell is train? And then I knew every one of their yeah. songs. I was like, holy shit. I didn't even know hey, the name of this band. Hey. Yeah. I, I was blown away. I was like, oh, so that's train. Because that's like back when I was listening to the radio and not like an iPod yeah. or my or like Apple Music or something. And it's sometimes it's hard to know who's singing what on the radio unless you come in at the part where the DJ is like, hey, that was, you know, train with blah, blah, blah. Like Otherwise, I would have never known. That's how I am, too. I mean, there were so many songs that like when I go to trivia and they do 80s stuff, I'm like, who is this? But I I know what the song is and they say the name. I'm like, oh, I didn't know who that was like NXS. I, I, you know, I I, that song that was I need you tonight. I never knew what that was called. And I'm like, I've heard this. This is the Coyote Ugly song. (laughs) Yeah. My buddy Matt was like, that's NXS. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. But I'm not too bright there. No, I, got the, I mean, I got the street was, smarts, not the there was smarts. a lot of bands in the 80s, dude, and a lot of them only had one hit. Well, and it was so fun because aside from 90s music, 90s music wasn't that diverse. If you really break it down, 80s was fucking all over the place. And I think that was so great. And I mean, look at even Bowie. Bowie, he changed his style left and right based on what was happening. And I think that was so cool. Some bands were set in their own ways and they just kept doing the same thing over and over again. But then others adapted. And they thrived. And I think that's so neat to do. That reminds me of the, of Sing Street. Yeah. So David Bowie's one that I didn't listen to uh, until much later in life. You know, I, I even when I was a teenager, I knew like songs that were on the radio and everything. But I never took a, like a deep dive into his catalog. And he's a very brilliant man, very poetic. Uh, and he has a lot to offer. But when I was a kid, I was not rocking out to the Bowie. Yeah. And I was kind of same way. It was it, it was in later life for me, but that was the same for a lot of musicians too. Yeah, and I think I think that's why I like Depeche Mode so much is because so much of their lyrics just kind of translated well with me, and I liked what they were saying. 
And and some songs are just that by other people are just kind of generic, like you know, like catchy little tunes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I like it when songs have deeper meanings. <laughs> yeah, totally. They don't all have to. I mean, I can I can rock out to. Um, my humps, my humps, my lovely lady lumps any day of the week. But uh, for delicious definition. <laughs> yeah, she smells a lot too. She, she, gets, she passes the smelling bee. She's going to win. Can you use it in a sentence? Yeah. Glamorous. Oh, um, yeah, no, she does smell a lot. But uh, I just, I fucking love Depeche Mode, man. Depeche Mode's also one of those bands too that I actually didn't start listening to until I met you. But it, when I you know, pull them up on Spotify. I'm like, oh my God, I know this song, this song, this song, this song. And I didn't realize it was Depeche Mode. It was, it's the same thing you were saying. Like I would just listen to the radio or something. And I'm like, man, I hear this all the time. So it makes sense. Yeah. Like when Alex and I go out to eat somewhere and they have a, you know, music playing in the restaurant and Depeche Mode comes on. She's just like, oh my God, I've never even heard of Depeche Mode until I started dating you. And I everywhere I go, it's fucking it's Depeche, Depeche Mode. Yeah. Everywhere. I know I posted it on our Twitter for the question, like what what bands influence you and stuff. And I used the Depeche Mode GIF. And I was hoping that someone would would pick it up, but no one said anything. So. Oh, yeah. You used uh, <laughs> Just Can't Get Enough. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I just can't get enough. So there we go. I believe it. Never, man. Let me actually find that real quick so I can review it. They actually, they used to do that as Encore. Uh, they don't anymore, but uh, it's kind of fun. It's not one sometimes, of their main songs? Sometimes, yeah, it is, but I mean, they'll oh. just do it. At, it's a fun f- song to do at the end. I just can't get enough. And um, now they do like three fucking encores. Like you think the show's over. You're like, yeah, I've been rocking out for two and a half hours. And like, we're going to do more. <laughs> so, <laughs> if the crowd's responding, then they just go for it. Even though Dave Gahan's been dancing and sweating for like two and a half, three hours. He's like, fuck, <laughs> people need to stop cheering so I can go home. I have a family, please. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he's in really great shape, man. The guy just does not stop. Uh, there are like th- like two songs usually that Martin Gore, the the uh, other songwriter and vocalist, will sing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he does, Dave Gahan just goes off stage to just, I don't know, probably take a bath in a barrel or something just to cool <laughs> off. Jesus. That's pretty awesome. So I did ask on Twitter, um, I said, what bands or musicians influence you growing up? And uh, our bud, uh, DigiFluid, well, Digi1701, I should say, he said, my high school vibe was Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, Tool, Radiohead, and Deftones. Yeah, and he put, so ah, who am I 90s. kidding? That's, he's like, that's still my music vibe. And that's that explains a lot for Rob. I could I could totally see him getting down to all those bands. I wasn't a big Deftones fan, though. Yeah. Um, and then uh, David at Geek Garage said Foo Fighters, Linkin Park, Andrew McMahon, Blink-182, Newfound Glory, Under Oath, Simple Plan, and so many others. Those all fa- fall under that same kind of alternative vein. Um, I listen to a lot of those as well. I still listen to the Foo Fighters a ton. They are my my favorites. But I had Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, and Jack Johnson. <laughs> the boy band thing was because of the radio and because of my mom. That's what we would listen to. So it is what it is. And I like to sing. So, wow. uh, um, yeah, I know, right? So, oh, I, I, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't ask how does that shaped my taste today. Oh, I yeah. St- I still go for anything that sort of puts out that vibe <laughs> uh, of like an 80s sort of sound. But uh, I'm open to, to new music. I, I have a ton. Of, I probably have thousands of songs on my phone. So I'm always rocking out to whatever's new. Uh, there is an era in like the early 2000s that I just can't stand uh, that I will... <laughs> <laughs> not have on my phone but 
for the most part, I'm pretty open. And I, and I do think that like, like nineties R and B is probably one of my favorites, you know, and I really like, uh, uh, like, like someone who was it that was saying like tool, like I fucking love tool. They're one I love of my favorite bands as well. They, they also put on some of the greatest concerts like I've ever seen. Yeah. Tool, tool is absolutely incredible live. They are just saw, unbelievable. Yeah. I saw them in Irvine. It was pretty incredible. We were real eight. And it it's like a awesome. crazy show watching the screen go off. You're like, what is going on? Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> Am I on acid. <laughs> you're prone to seizures. That don't Holy go, shit, uh, it's awesome. Bad news bears. Yeah. Uh, but so I do like to try and find stuff that sounds something like not quite 80s, but just kind of, you know, easy, easy listening in a way where I'm like, yeah, I like this. I can rock out to this. For 90s R&B, I always wanted to be the guy that just talked in songs, like the guy in Boys and Men who's like, baby, I'm sorry for everything yeah. that I did. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't sing, all he does is talk. That was, that was going to be me. That was my He was gig. the tall one. Yeah. yeah, the deep voice. I saw them in concert too. They were so oh, good. I bet they'd be awesome live. Yes. Motown Philly. I threw my panties on stage. <laughs> they were moist. See, they, yes. went, they went splat as soon as they landed. <laughs> yes. It gross. was good, exciting stuff. I had that a t-shirt cannon, gross. loaded up my panties and shot them onto the stage. It knocked out Nate, the lead yes. singer. Well, okay. So I absolutely love this movie. There's no uh, hiding that. I've expressed that t- over and over again. And it's because I think it's a- about the power of love and friendship. Uh, it's about brothers, Huey Lewis your, your friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's one of it, it's it's the people around us who help us follow our dreams. And I talked about inspiration through optimism as a key theme for this film. Did you like the ending? You know, when he gets sent off by his brother, who this beautiful moment, he goes into the room, he says, we're going to go to London. Will you drive us? And he goes, yeah, let's go. Or he's like, when are you leaving? He's like, now he's like, yep, let's go without hesitation. I thought that that was so sweet. How important is it uh, for you to follow your dreams and have a support system like a Brendan? Uh, so yes, did I like the ending? Not exactly. I don't like how he just, I don't like how they just went on a boat and then they dodged a big boat and then his credits. <laughs> so the actual literal ending, no, I didn't like. But the message, sure, why not? I'm okay with that. Uh, I do believe it's important to follow your dreams. It can take a long time to get there. You know, I have my dream job and I didn't get it until I was almost 40 years old. And so it takes a while. And that's going from being a janitor and a used car salesman and working in retail uh, to finally landing this amazing job in marketing. And it's it took a long, long time, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And it's not going to have it can happen overnight. But in most cases, it doesn't. And uh, you're going to want to give up. And it's just important not to. You got to you got to put in the work and, and make it happen. You can't can't be complacent. You can't uh, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get knocked down and people are going to tell you no. And, and you just say, fuck off, man. And you do it anyway. And so you just have to be ready for that. And there is uh, a bit of self-discipline that is required to achieve these goals and dreams. And so when you ask yourself, this is what I want to do, or this is where I want to be, what are you prepared to do to get there is what you got to ask yourself. And so you are going to need a support system because you're going to, 
you're going to hear no quite a bit. And don't take no for an answer. Don't take no shit from anybody and don't take no for an answer. <laughs> you a bad mutter. <laughs> don't yeah. take no shit from nobody. Don't you? And uh, <laughs> it's important. I mean, honest to goodness. And, and you do need a support system. And, and I have a lot of friends that I am very lucky and fortunate to have. And even if you only have one, that's all it takes, man. And uh, just just be there for each other and help each other out. And just like how he was saying with the roadies, you know, you, you know, we got each other's back, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a guy that picked on him and beat him up almost every day and then just found a way to connect with him. And, and now they got each other's back and yeah. that's all there is to it. So uh, support system is very important. Having a, a, a brother like, like Brendan is also important is of course, not all of us have an older brother and some of us might even be the older brother for crying out loud. And they're the ones that make the mistakes. They're the ones that pave the way. Like he was talking about having a jet stream yeah. and, and trying to, to control this chaos that just wasn't happening. But you know, he basically laid a path for his younger brother to be able to be successful. So yeah. just, just find that path and it's going to be difficult. But if you have a support system, I think you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And he's I didn't the, have an older brother. He's the older brother and he got passed over. So. Yeah, exactly. He's smart, you know, like not not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like smart thinks. Yeah. But I so and I, I think the ending was so great because for me, you know, it's it ended in it was ambiguous for a reason where it got real stormy. And I think that was some sort of a metaphor in, in a sense of like, oh, shit, where you have the unknown that we're approaching and are we going to make it? Are we going to, I thought they were going to die when I first saw this. I'm like, are they going to crash? Cause that's going to be a completely different movie, but it's so great to have friends or a family member who <laughs> they're like yeah, waving they're for help. Waving. And then everyone's like waving back at him. Hey, yeah. it sucks to be you. <laughs> Should have got a bigger boat. <laughs> so, yeah. Quit the, playing with your dinghy. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, I have any of my friends or, or I guess you could say relatives too, even though I have a huge, strong relationship with them. I would, at the drop of a hat, be ready to support them. My friends specifically, like if they said, hey, I'm going to quit my job and get into filmmaking or I'm going to quit my job and uh, be an artist or or do this or travel the world. I'm going to go, sweet, dude, what do you need from me? Like I absolutely support their decisions. And I think that that's so great. And Connor really, you know, his brother was there to help him through it all. I mean, Connor wouldn't be there without his brother. He said, you know, this is your homework, right? He gives them all those things. He convinced him that they needed to be an original band and not a cover band. He needed to be his own person. And I thought that was so fucking beautiful. And that's one of the biggest reasons I love this film is it's just a fantastic coming of age story about what we have in our life and the people that we know and how sometimes you just kind of say, fuck it all and go, go play some music, man, and find the things that you love. And it's so great, but it's, it's awesome. I, I I think the ending was was very very good. I loved Rafina. Uh, Lucy Boynton is actually married to your buddy Rami Malik there, who always does the the faces. Crazy, but, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was fantastic. I loved her. I thought she was gorgeous. It was great that she was all in for the videos the entire time, and um, just just really really cool. But yes, I I enjoyed the hell out of this ending. Um, so. Did you and your childhood friends do anything like this? You know, like home movies, bands, uh, book clubs, I don't know, Jelly of the Month clubs, etc. Yeah, sometimes like when we we had like a sleepover with like four or five friends, uh, we would do like a dance routine or something. Yeah, New Kids on the (laughs) Block was was big at the time. Uh, So we do stuff like that. Hang tough. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I was the I was the one that lit fires and rode motorcycles. You're the one that looked like he was 35 years old at, at every point in his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> guy who's a full-grown man in, in New Kids on the Block. Yeah. There's uh, always I mean, one in each boy band. Always a person yeah. that looks like they lied on their birth certificate. Um, I've made, like, I made home movies. That's, that's another reason I love this thing, this film, is because it reminds you of hanging out with my friends and going on stupid adventures. Um, Super 8 is another one like that where... You know, it's just a bunch of kids making a horror film. And I used to make horror films all the time with my my video camera. And it was fun, the shit that I did. It was called The Machete Murders. I mean, actually, I skipped the first one. I did The Machete Murders Part 2. I don't even know what happened in the first one. But I, for my credits, it was so funny. I wrote them all on paper. And I, like, scrolled the camera down on the long sheets of paper. And it was awesome. I, I was doing some cool transitions. And, yeah, it was a lot. So I wish I had that because it was a pretty goddamn awesome film. I did my own version of The Blair Witch Project. But I loved those, dude. They were my my things that I did with my friends. And so I, I totally related with this. I, I wish I was in a band. I had I played the trumpet, but that was about it. <laughs> yeah, it could be a Louis Armstrong cover band. Yeah, there, there's a lot of brass in the 80s. That's true. There was a play lot. Play the, the sexy sax. I could play the flute and play for Peter Gabriel, like we were saying, all the jungle Dude, sounds. Yeah. <laughs> you could play in uh, Rick James when he's like, blow, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck. Yeah, I, I, I wish I played more music as a kid. And uh, when I have kids, I definitely want to get them into foreign languages and also music. I think drums are incredible. I think guitars. I want them to be an Eamon. He uh, that was awesome when he breaks out all the music. He's playing like the bongos and the bagpipes and everything. Yeah, he plays every. He plays everything. It was so cool. And playing different songs with him too. Yeah, cool. that was really great. They had that connection. He was like, "Well, you haven't write a song." He's like, "Always." I think that was so great. You know, a friend who's just like, "I will be here for you, whatever you need." It's so sweet. So <laughs> again, on the theme of heartwarming, this movie is incredibly heartwarming, and it's, it's a coming of age film. What heartwarming movies do you like? Um, I don't know. I don't even know what a heartwarming. I, I I struggled on this one. Because it's a movie that warms your heart, Justin. I Duh. know, but the problem <laughs> is it's usually the very end and the whole first <laughs> yeah. two hours of the movie. I'm just sad. So uh, I, I find that scenes to be heartwarming, you know, like in uh, Return of the King. Once once they have. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. when there's like 30 minutes left and they're going through all the different endings and everything. When, when <laughs> the alternate endings, <laughs> when Aragorn's like, my friends, you about about to know, know one. one. Oh, oh, my God. They start bawling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even in the spirit of of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, when Martin Freeman is doing, uh, you know, Bilbo Baggins. And when he's talking to the dwarves about not having a home and how he'll do anything he can. Uh, to get them one, that just tears me up, man. That whole movie's not exactly good, but <laughs> that scene is really powerful. Like he crushes it as Bilbo. But like, I would if I had to give you movies, then it would probably be like the Hunt for Will the People, which we did on this show, which is really good. I love that movie and so we've much. Refer to it pretty often. Uh, Into the Spider Verse, another one. That's one of my favorite movies ever, uh, and it just—it's amazing. I cry so much in that movie. And then uh, I think Forrest Gump is a pretty good heartwarming movie. But maybe even Gump. <laughs> maybe even Dirty Dancing. Ooh. There's dancing and it's dirty. <laughs> Two hours <laughs> dirty. <laughs> Just watch The Ringer and that part is so funny. Yeah. I need There's to watch that movie again. And it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was a Ringer quote, but that doesn't oh, surprise yeah. me. It's good. I and think you know soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that's that's it for me for heartwarming. Well, I think that you're right, though. I think if if there's a film that you are wondering if it's heartwarming or not, if it really affected you the final, what, 30 minutes of it or whatever, or at the end, and it really made you think differently, and you just came out of it just with a smile on your face and and not sad, I think that can classify it as a heartwarming film. And so I use examples like It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I know that that movie is just, it's a, an hour and a half of like, oh my gosh, this guy Snooze just keeps best. doing all this shit. And then the final 30, 20 minutes, however much it is, I just ball every time at the end. I think he's, it's that final scene. I think it's the final five minutes of the movie. Well, it's, yeah, it's probably about the final five, 10 minutes of the film when he realizes everything. And yes, it's, it's that totally redeems it for me because it, it kind of brings it home. The, the whole message of the film is if you're, you're kind to people, and um, totally redeem yourself. You totally redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, no man is poor uh, without friends, basically, is what I think is what they say. And so no man is a failure who has friends. And I think that's so beautiful. A um, couple other ones, too. Oh, well, Sing Street, obviously, is on there. But uh, yeah, I agree with you on Spider-Man. I think that's a really good one. Jerry Maguire is an awesome one. I love Jerry Maguire so much. And the soundtrack in that one is excellent. It works. I don't remember that movie. Oh, I love that movie so much. It works so very, very well long. It's kind uh, of long. I think it's like two hours. Uh, it's give or take more than that. I really like Little Miss Sunshine as well. That's another one that I was thinking of that. That one, you're just kind of on this road trip and they each have their problems. But in the end, they're just like, screw it, whatever. And they all dance together. It's it's so great and it's so sweet. And it ends on such a good note. So I, I really like them all that dancing. Movie. Yeah, to uh, yeah. Super Freak Super. It's the routine that uh, Alan Ready. Arkin showed her. <laughs> yeah. Alan Arkin, so, yeah. Arkin, there you go. Yeah, and so then um, Greg Kinnear's like trying to pedal that like a uh, book on yeah like motivational <laughs> the number two or something. <laughs> He's like, oh no, that was Steve Curley. He's like, yeah, he felt I, I'm the number two, uh, not Prost scholar or something like that. But yeah. Oh, I know he's peddling yeah. the motivational speaking ones. Yeah, it's two hours and 19 minutes, by the way. No, oh, damn. Wire. And uh, yeah, a little bit sunshine because uh, what's his name? Who? Michael Steve Scott. Carell? Steve Carell. Steve yeah, Carell. He, he tried to kill himself, right? Mm-hmm. So the, and then the the brother, is it Paul Dano? That's the brother? In yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. He wants to be a pilot, but he's like colorblind or something. So that was sad. Everyone is. And then Tony Collette's like just trying to keep her family together. She's just miserable. Yeah. And they're all in this van going across the country. It's like the what worst setting. <laughs> the worst setting for people that are upset with things. Yeah, I saw oh, I, know, I saw that in the theater. I really liked it. I that was like one of my favorite movies uh when that came out. I was yeah. like, oh, this movie's amazing. You know who doesn't like that movie? Who? Dave Edmondson. Why? Calling him out, naming names. Yikes. Oh, he's just he's just not into it. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think those are all heartwarming films and it's just movies that make you you feel all nice and, and warm on the inside and you don't even need tea to do that. So So the final question I will ask you is that, do you agree with the Rotten Tomatoes ratings of like 95 and 97%, I think is what, or 92 and 95%. Oh, that's high. And then additionally, why was this film (laughs) so unknown and should more people watch it? Um, I mean, for me, it's probably more of a B, but I can appreciate how people like it, I guess. Uh, I won't be upset with them if they think it's an A. That's fine. Do you? Uh, it's more of a B for me, uh, mainly because of the, the 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 end. I think the beginning's a little a little slow, and then like once they start forming the band, like twenty something minutes into it, I think I'm on board. But I, the ending, 
I just I didn't like I didn't like them getting in a car and then hopping on a boat and then credits. I, I wasn't <laughs> into that. And then I, I again I appreciate the chasing your dreams, but it's made me think that he left his band that people that got him there uh, just out in the cold. Uh, it just kind of gave me that impression that he was ditching everybody, and it's okay to grow and you're going to. You know, you're you're going to you're going to have friends on in this journey of life, and there are going to be some that you stay attached to, and some that are with you all the way to the end. And then there's going to be the ones that just kind of help you on this on your roadmap, right? Uh, and that's fine and dandy. I just get, this is our first and last show, and I'm like, motherfucker, I've been watching you for like two hours, and this is it. <laughs> so that kind of made me mad, but it's not the end of the world. I just I just wanted more. I wanted them to keep playing like in the vein of like school of rock where they're up in there, you know, the mom's apartment still rocking out. You know, I think that would have been for me more of a happier ending than him hopping on a boat with this ambiguous ending with this girl and they're underage and they got to go find jobs and they're going to be homeless and then kidnapped. And then in the sex trafficking <laughs> world, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what version you saw, but <laughs> yeah, alternate ending. Well, I mean, the reason he said it was going to be the last show is because he thought they were going to get expelled because brother Baxter was, you know, they wrote that song about him and sent all those masks. And he's like, you guys ready to do this? Because it's going to be our first and last show. Right. And then he was in the perfect situation as opposed to his bandmates who had uh, not not stable homes, but, you know, stable enough homes. And his there was all this uncertainty. Um, he was going to have to go back and forth between his family. He, I mean, who knows if he would have been able to still go to Sing Street. So I think he didn't really have anything at that point. You know, I felt actually bad for his, his sister, Anne, who seemed smart. She wanted to be an architect. And she was really put in a, in, a, in a hard place. Brendan was, he dropped out of college, but he could still, he's old enough to go get a job. So, I mean, it's it was beautiful because it reminded me of, of like the fighter, you know, when Dickie's like, I had my chance and I blew it and now this is yours. And that part gets me every single time I watch the fighter, other than it being a phenomenal film, that part gets me every single time in the, in the title fight when he's in the corner and he finally acquiesces and he finally s- stops living in the past and talking about when he knocked over Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, um, it's just so touching. So that I, I think that's why the ending is is like that. And I mean, I think we for all the reasons we I've said at least the the reason this is scored so high on Rotten Tomatoes is because it's just a wholesome film. It's just mm-hmm. fun to to watch and and relax to and and to be happy about. Um, I, I understand and see the the issues with the ending where it feels kind of like what. Like it, it almost seems cheesy in a certain sense, but I definitely think people should watch this. Um, I wish it was streaming more readily on like a Netflix or HBO Max. I, when I actually first saw it years ago, it was on Netflix, but it is on Canopy Hoopla. Uh, I bought it because it was five Hoopla. bucks. Hoopla. 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 <laughs> Looks like Snoop Dogg just got a new bra. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't even know. I didn't even know this film existed until you told me about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I think it just takes word of mouth almost for for a film like this. Sure. And we, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. It made uh, five bucks in the theater. So <laughs> yeah. it was a very limited release. You know, you had to know that this was a thing and that it was available to watch it. And so and it being just limited in streaming, if it were still on Netflix or on HBO Max, I think that would certainly help. So I agree. I wish I don't understand why. I mean, I don't know any of the workings like that. I'm not all I'm not all authenticious and stuff like that. So I don't know how they become or how they're available on streaming platforms. But I wish it would go back to Netflix. That would be great if they got the rights to it. 
Yeah, cost money, man. They got money. Netflix has got plenty of money. They're making all their Give original us some of that things. Money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they raised up the rates. It's like another two dollars. Are think you my serious? Yes, yeah, twenty dollars now for the one that I have. Twenty dollars for Netflix. Yeah. Their well, original I programming have the, sucks. I have the 4K <laughs> and four four profiles. Oh, because I got a bunch of mooches that want to you log in. You better start having them pay the Pied Piper there. <laughs> yeah, pay, pay the edgy Piper. That's yeah. uh, that's crazy. I didn't know it was that expensive. That's like yeah. three streaming services. It was seven ninety nine when streaming started, <laughs> I and know. now I pay twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Holy money going buckets. on around here. Netflix is actually the one I, I use the least. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I I don't get behind the original programming. I there are some things I like, but I am still trying to watch The Witcher, and I don't know what it is. But I put it on, and I'm like, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> I need to just sit down and completely watch it, and I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. You don't like good stuff. I love all the good things. That's why <laughs> I love Sing Street. You gave it a B. Are you saying a solid B or like a B minus or a B plus? Yeah. It's a solid B. It's okay. an 85 for me. Mine's an A. Uh, mine's definitely an A. I love this film. I think it's so good. It makes me feel so happy. It brought me to tears. Uh, I was smiling. I was just all over the place. And I am thankful for the people in my life who helped push me into the direction I need to go, who tell it like it is, who don't sugarcoat it for me, and uh, and then let me listen to um, you know Duran Duran. I can stuff. tell you the way it is. <laughs> you always tell me the way I've it is. I've been sugarcoating shit for years. <laughs> You always tell me the way it is. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you don't even know how to spell sugar. Don't talk to me unless you owe me, you owe me $200. So <laughs> don't talk to me in my kitchen like that. Oh, man. Just the MTV girl. Just I don't MTV. even know what that means. <laughs> You're wild. Conan O'Brien's sister. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I love that. Oh. Movie. God damn it. We referenced that movie a lot, too. They, Yeah, those sisters are a, an interesting bunch. They're a hoot, I would say. <laughs> when they all just get out of that car. It's so funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> a little clown car. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for them to do a unicycle ride. Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, please go check it out. It is definitely worth your time. It's only an hour and 45 minutes. Um, I love Ireland so much, and I'm so glad that they filmed on location and, you know, the Ireland Film Society or whatever it's called. But I uh, absolutely loved it. So that's it. You got anything else to add, Justin? I don't. Okay. I got nothing. Cool beans. Well, thank you so very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. We don't sugarcoat anything for anybody. Remember Ooh. to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod at edgyarmo, where you can see his hair grow in two weeks. <laughs> Faster than lightning. Call him, yeah. uh, call him Samson there. And uh, ZachDale60, that's mine. You can share your thoughts with us and you can uh, and we will discuss them on our show like we did today. Thank you for everybody who interacts with us. It is so great to I was going to say see your faces, but read your words. <laughs> you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episodes. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That really really helps us. It's great. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. We're talking Spotify, the Pandora, the Amazon Music, all that stuff. Please also be sure to check out the Indiana Jones 5 of podcasts, the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. I am just chomping at the bit. Excited. I got a little countdown going on. 
waiting until I can hear the newest episode. David's going to say something funny, and Justin's just going to start laughing really loud. And then I'll laugh, laugh and turn. I laugh re- a lot. I'm and then sure. you guys will turn it to Randy, and he'll be like, yeah, oh, hey, yeah, sorry. <laughs> It'll be awesome. <laughs> He's always asleep. we got to talk him. He works really hard. He works like 17-hour days. He works hard for the money, so it's going to be good for you. Forever. I'm bad at song there. I'm bad with remembering anything. Just please. I work hard for the money, so hard for it, honey. Yeah. I work Pals. hard for the money, so you better treat me right. There you go. Fuck, I was way off. <laughs> just, just please don't be crazy. So hard for it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> for the monies. <laughs> I haven't heard you say that in a while. The monies. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a while. It's a Felix thing. Oh, that's right. That makes more sense. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you so much.